Okay, let's gather back together. People are having too much fun visiting. That's okay. Well, I trust that you had a a great uh, weekend last weekend. It was just a tremendous time of worship and just reflecting on the resurrection. And uh, what we're going to do today, before I read the passage of Scripture, before I pray, I want us to, to consider something. I want you to pretend that today is last week. Today is the day that Jesus was resurrected. And I want you to think about that because what we are going to read about still happened on that same day. And so we want to look at it a little more closely We've got a lot of scripture we're going to read. It's a, it's a narrative. It's a story. Uh, it's fascinating. And I think we'll get a lot out of it. But, uh, but I want you to pretend that it's resurrection morning, kind of mid-morning like it is now. Well, sort of. And, um, and we're going to look at, at this passage of scripture. So if you would read with me, we're going to look at Luke 24, starting at verse 36. I think I will stop a little early because we'll read another section later on. Um, we'll start at verse 13 and we'll, we'll end at 35. Then we'll read 36 later. So hear what the word of God says. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. Now it was that very day was the, that Sunday that Jesus was re- resurrected. That very day, the two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were not, uh, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other? As you walk, and they stood still and looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these last, these day, in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But he, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, O slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. 
Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So they went in and stayed with him. When they, he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathering together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. We'll stop right here for now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for this account that took place as these people were walking home, basically, and you appeared to them. Lord, we ask now that as we look at this, you would help us to see some things that could be applied to our life for this day. Give us a greater understanding. Give us eyes to see. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is, this is that morning that Jesus was resurrected. And one thing in Scripture that we always want to keep in mind whenever we're reading anything, uh, this is what I do. Jesus is Jesus. Jesus can do whatever he wants. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always the same. And why shouldn't he be? He is the Son of God. So we want to keep that in mind when we're reading and when we're looking at this story, when we're looking at the people's lives and how they're affected by the resurrection. We want to remember Jesus is Jesus. My main point is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and his appearance to his followers is at the heart of the gospel. This is an extremely important lesson for us to see. So we want to look at this this morning and... Again, there's a lot here, and I want to bring up 37 points as to how this is going to help you, okay? No, I only have four, okay? Does that make you feel better? Someone's saying, Dave, you're only supposed to have three. No, there's only four, hopefully brief, and we will get out of here sometime, okay? So what I want to do is, is break this down, break this story down, and there were a few lessons that I saw that I thought would be helpful The first point that I have is, with Jesus, there is a lot to talk about. When it comes to Jesus, there is tons to talk about. You will never run out of information. It'll always be there. There are people that are returning home after the after the Passover, basically. After all that happened, these people had to go home. They probably had to go to work the next day. So they're returning home after a holiday weekend, which is what was happening during that time, that was the Passover weekend, and everybody went to Jerusalem during that time to celebrate the Passover. And they were probably talking about returning home, and they, they were 
you know, talking about the events. They were talking about the celebrations and the Passover and everything else, but they were also talking about what happened during that day. They were on the road to Emmaus. They were going back to Emmaus around seven miles away. And Cleopas and whoever was with him, some people think it might have been his wife that was with him. It might have been another friend or whatever, a relative. They were talking and discussing together, it says. They were talking and discussing. Now, the thing that's going on here is the word discussing means they were examining. It sometimes can even mean they were disputing with one another. They were questioning different things. There was a lot of talk about what was going on. They were trying to get some understanding as to what was happening. These were people that knew the disciples. They knew the 11 disciples that were left. And they experienced and probably saw the crucifixion. So we can see that they're in that deep discussion. The Passover, Jesus, the crucifixion, whether the whether Jesus was still alive, the rumors that were going on at that point. And they were wondering, what are we supposed to do with this information? How is it affecting us? These questions, because they thought Jesus was dead at first. There's a sense of loss. There's a sense of grief. There's a sense of fear that comes into these people. They go from hope that Jesus is going to be their deliverer, their king, to him dying and them wondering what's going on and then him raising from the dead and they're wondering, is this true? Such an emotional roller coaster these people were experiencing, but they were fearful of the unknown. What was supposed to happen next? What's their life going to be like without Jesus leading the way? Was the church going to die? Did they still have the hope or did they have grief? Deep sorrow over the loss of a dear friend and leader. A void and emptiness that they were following. You know, if you don't deal with grief, and I've I've talked with a lot of people over the years in grief. I, I do a lot of reading about grief. Grief becomes physically and emotionally debilitating after a season. I believe we all should grieve at the loss of a loved one. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we can stay there. And if we stay there, what happens is we, we become emotionally and physically debilitated. And this is always a concern whenever there's a, a, a movement that happens or a church that is vibrant and active and they have a, a great leader and the leader in the church dies, what happens is all of a sudden the church stops. And they say, what do we do? We don't know what to do. They're grieving. And all of a sudden, if they stay there, and I've seen this, churches begin to just fall apart. And they don't get out of that grief stage. It's one of those things where these people were dealing with things and they weren't sure what to do with them. Jesus isn't just anybody, though. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's not going to let his church die. He's not going to let things go downhill. He's not going to let them live in this emptiness, this void. They're not going to organizationally stagnate because Jesus 
is who he is. Jesus says we have a race to run. We have a path to walk. We have a mission and a message to get out. The last thing the church needed was to become inactive. So they're traveling down the road, and while they're focused on the, him, on, on all the events, somebody comes up beside them. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I go walking early in the morning, and it's usually very dark, and it's not very long <laughs> that I go. I go for a walk around the block, and then I come home. And if I'm really motivated, I go twice. And then I, uh, and then I come home, and uh, my blood starts to flow. But I'm always aware if there's somebody coming up behind me. In fact, I kind of, you know, turn up my radar. Is somebody sneaking up? I might have, have to do my kung fu stuff or what. And I'm always watching. You know, these guys, they, they, uh, they didn't even know someone was coming up. They're so into their discussion, they're not even aware of what's going on around them. And Jesus comes right up to them. Jesus catches up to them. That's what's happening here. Jesus catches up to them and he starts to talk with them. You know, there's an instance in, in scripture where Peter, after Peter was arrested and he was taken away to trial, what does it say about Peter? Peter followed a long way behind. You know, Jesus tries to catch up with us and let us know what's going on. Peter stayed a long way behind. A lot of times, instead of catching up to Jesus, we take that, we take that slow pace. We're not sure what to do. We don't know what's going to happen. So we, we don't just dive in and say, listen, Jesus has what I need. I'm going to run to him and catch up to him as quickly as possible. Well, Jesus did that with the disciples. Jesus did that with these people here. And while in the discussion, he approaches them and he starts to travel with them and he's walking beside them and he's just doing it. He says, hey, hi, what you talking about? That's basically what Jesus says. What are you talking about? And as soon as Jesus says that, they don't know that it's Jesus, but as soon as Jesus says that, they stop. And they're sad. You can, you can see on their faces, they're crestfallen. So he says, what are you talking about? And Cleopas says, well, basically he says, what are you from another planet? That's what he says. Jesus says, not really, not from another planet. But anyway, he says, don't you know what's been going on? Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's happening? And they didn't have social media back then. And Jesus says, what things? What things happened? And Cleopas says, about Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet. He was mighty indeed. And he tells how... Jesus, how the high priest and the rulers had arrested him and condemned him to death. And he was crucified. We thought he'd be the redeemer of Israel, he said. And now it's the third day. Some of the women this morning went to the tomb. His body was gone. They said they saw these angels. And they said that he was alive. And people went off to look for him, but they didn't find him. You know, there's a lot to talk about when you're talking about somebody resurrecting from the dead. There's a lot to talk about when you have 
these years of ministry that Jesus did and invested into these people, and all of a sudden it takes a turn. There's a lot to talk about when you're looking at these things. You're wondering what what Jesus was thinking at this point as they're describing these things and their perspective. Jesus is getting an interesting picture of how they're looking at things at this point. He sees their concern. He sees their cons- their cares, that they're, they're weighed down with these things. And so Jesus decides he's going to communicate back to them. You see, when you're with Jesus, there's always something to learn. When you're with Jesus, there's always something to talk about. But when you're with Jesus, there's always something to learn. That's my second point. As much as we think we know that we understand, we usually don't fully know and understand. And we need to get to that place. That's just pride when we think we know everything. There's always more to learn. We don't always have the full picture. There's always something that we have to trust God for. I've been studying the Bible for 40 Eight years now, I've been, I've been studying scripture and what I have found, I know many of you have done the same thing. You found that there's more that you don't know than you thought you knew in the beginning. There is so much there. God has more for us to learn, for, more for us to see. And it's supposed to be that way. That's how we grow. We never understand it all. There's always more that God is showing us. So here are these two we have here. Communicating to Jesus their perspective. And they aren't seeing things clearly. They're not seeing it right. And we're not always seeing it right either. Usually we're oblivious to the full picture. We're oblivious to the hidden things that God is doing. We're always looking at the physical rather than the more spiritual side of what God has for us. And, you know, when you look at it, faith is the evidence or the assurance of things not, uh, the things hoped for, the conviction of things, what? Not seen. That assurance of not fully seeing what God is doing, they weren't seeing it. They weren't understanding, and Jesus had to take them by the hand and kind of give them a bigger picture as to what was going on. They needed to have eyes of faith. You know what's really interesting to me is all the talking that they did, Jesus waited very patiently. Jesus is very patient person and he waits patiently for us and when it's time for him to speak he hears the perspective but then he brings it all together for us so jesus starts talking to them and jesus sort of pushes back a little bit excuse me jesus sort of pushes back a little bit trying to bring some focus and perspective so that they wouldn't stay at this place of Possible argument, possible questioning, possible discouragement, possible grief. But this is what he says in verse 25. Oh, foolish ones 
and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So Jesus proceeds to give a step-by-step understanding of messianic prophecy. That it's necessary for the Christ to suffer these many things. In verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. What a Bible study. That would take hours. But they had hours because they were walking seven miles together to Emmaus. And what was their response to what Jesus was saying? They didn't want him to leave. They wanted to stay with Jesus. They heard what he had to say. We don't want you to leave. We've heard what you're saying. We want you to stay with us. When you're hearing about what God is doing, when you're listening about what you're getting from a message, from your Bible reading, do you want more of it? Do you ever want more of it or do you just say, oh, got that done, close the thing up, done for today? I want to encourage you this week to do something. I want you to to share with somebody this week something that you read in Scripture that was meaningful to you. And I want you to ask them to share back what was meaningful to them. I want you to do that. I encourage you to do that. And then I want you to ask yourself, Does that stir me? Is there something that's burning within me to know more, to learn more, to hear more when you're done? These guys wanted to hear more. This is the true fellowship that happens between believers. We want to talk about the Lord. There are so many things that we could talk about. There's so many things that we do talk about. Look at social media. You will see everything under the sun that is talked about. But we very rarely hear what's talked about the Lord. We get politics. We get COVID-19 information. We get all kinds of things, but we very rarely hear. We want to speak. (laughs) It's time for us to listen. Yeah, let's keep moving. (laughs) Getting sidetracked. Um, You know, when you're listening and when you're learning, yeah, there's an important aspect here, I I think, that, that we need to understand. These people felt alone when they were walking. They felt disappointed. They were, they felt there was, there was something now missing. You know, Scripture says that Jesus will never leave you or forsake you, that he is always there. No matter what your situation is, he is there for you. And it's important for us to remember that because in our limited vision as to how we see things, those times when we're looking at just the physical or the obvious and we're not seeing the spiritual, we forget. We forget that we aren't alone. You are never Alone. As a Christian, you are never alone. And that's important to know that. And you can rely upon the Lord for that. And Jesus makes things clear to them that things turned out exactly the way they were supposed to. And they didn't have to worry about it. And they were excited about that. That's why they wanted Jesus to come and hang with them. 
because they were no longer grieving. They were no longer fearful. They were stirred. They were excited. They were envisioned. When you're with Jesus, there's a lot to learn. And we need to take advantage of that and listen. The third point, Jesus the traveling companion or Jesus the host? Jesus the traveling companion or Jesus the host. They enjoyed his companionship while they were there and they encouraged Jesus to stay with them. The day was coming to an end. They were seven miles traveling during that time. It was quite a distance. And uh, their conversation was really good. So Jesus said, okay, I'll, I'll go in with you. Jesus was going to keep going. And while they were having dinner, all of a sudden Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Sounds kind of like the Last Supper. Sounds like the feeding of the 5,000. Sounds like other things that Jesus has done. He took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Now, I want you to notice something here. It is more the common practice that the host would do that, that they would break the bread and they would bless it and they would give it. It wouldn't be the guest that would do that. Jesus was the guest, supposedly. But Jesus took the bread. The host is the one who leads. The host is the one who provides meals and makes you comfortable. If you're if you're staying at somebody's house, it's the host that takes care of you. It's the host that entertains you. It's the host that gives you information that you need while you're there. Jesus is acting like the host. I have a question for you. In your life, is Jesus just a guest that comes and goes? Is he your guest on weekends? Is Sunday Jesus Day and you welcome Jesus in? Or is Jesus the host of your life? Is Jesus just a belief system or a philosophy that you have or a moral structure in your life or a tradition or a family heritage that you have? Do you see him as your little companion hanging on your every word? Or do you see him as Lord of your life? I'm telling you today, make him the Lord of your life. In our story, when Jesus becomes the host, their eyes are opened. When Jesus becomes the host, their eyes are open. They recognize him and he vanishes. The Greek word means he's taken out of their sight or he becomes invisible. That's what that means. And all of a sudden they say, wow, it's Jesus. Where'd he go? Mind-blowing experience. So how did they respond? They look at each other. They look at each other and they said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures? All of a sudden they recognize it. Have you ever felt that way before? Didn't your hearts burn within you as you became a Christian and had an understanding of your forgiveness of your sin? Builds an excitement. And this is what the scripture says. I'm going to read verse 33 through 36 again, I think. And they rose at the same hour. And this is what they did. They were, they were excited. 
they saw Jesus and they rose at the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They'd already walked seven miles, sat down, had a meal. Jesus shows up, he disappears. They get up and they walk back to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road. And how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Jesus is the host. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the teacher. Jesus is alive. Last point. Jesus brings peace to the startled, frightened, troubled, and doubt-filled heart. There's still, again, a lot of emotions that were being felt back then. And I want to read verses 36 through 49 here. It says, as they were talking about these things, because the guys had come back, they were meeting with the 11, they told them what happened. And verse 36, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Okay, he says, peace to you. And that, that, that's not what happened. If you look at the next verse, and they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, He showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here for me to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and he ate it before them. And he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So Jesus appears to the disciples. They said that Jesus was alive. They proclaimed that he was alive. They were saying that Simon had seen him. They were all excited about it. And the Lord appears to them and it freaks them out. They only believe what they can see. This is a big problem with with us as a a people. We, We tend to only believe what we can see. We can't see God, but we believe in God. We can't see the work of the Spirit sometimes, but we believe that the Spirit works. But we're unable to believe so often it's a stumbling block for us. We are unable to believe the unbelievable, as some people would think it. What I know is stronger than what I've been told. Thomas had that problem. 
They said, Jesus is alive. Thomas said, I won't believe it till I see it. And Jesus had to come and show him. How can one see the dead? Is what people would think. Jesus helps them along. He says, why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? Why are you stirred up? Why are you restless, the word means. Why why is the calmness of your mind taken away? Why are you anxious? Why do doubts arouse in your heart? You know what doubts is in the Greek? It's deliberating with yourself. Doubts is, is arguing with yourself, disrupting your thoughts, questioning yourself. One of the biggest battles that Christians face is restlessness and anxiety, deliberating with yourself, arguing constantly with yourself whether something is true or not or whether you should do something or not. That's what doubt is. But you know what? If you argue with yourself, you're really never a winner because you're just arguing with yourself back and forth. The battle continues on in your mind. When you argue with yourself, Jesus is well aware of the battle that takes place in our minds, the temptations, the deceitful thoughts that come. But Jesus opened their minds to the scriptures and we have the scriptures. We have the same spirit that opened the minds of the scriptures. And he reminds them, it is written that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. The power from on high came On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. The same Spirit opened your eyes to the Scriptures that opened their eyes to the Scriptures. And Jesus tells them that day the message that they're to tell, that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in all the nations in his name. The mission hasn't changed. It's still there. The mission is still the same. The gospel message, Jesus rose from the dead. He is still working. He is still with us. And it didn't stop there. Even today, he relates to the church. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as I said earlier. In the conclusion, I just want to read the last five, four, four verses of that chapter. This is what happened. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. You know, there's a lot to talk about in this. And there's a lot of lessons to learn from Jesus in all of this. We need to make him host of our lives. That's what we need to do. He needs to be the Lord of our lives. And he'll bring peace to the startled, frightened, troubled, and doubt-filled heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for this collection that Luke brought together. Luke was not there at the time. The interviews he must have have made, the time spent gathering the information together. You're guiding him by your spirit to bring about uh, a clear, concise account of what happened. Lord, we're grateful. 
So, Lord, we pray that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to listen. Help us to realize you're still with us. We're never alone. Help us, Lord, to to receive from you the things we need. And, Lord, continue to be our host. Continue to be the Lord of our lives. So we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.